What is good, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Monday, March 15th. Man, I hope all you guys are doing good out there, man. Hopefully, all you guys have a nice, enjoyable, successful week ahead of you. Hopefully, all you guys enjoyed this past weekend, man. And just appreciate where you are at in life. Don't necessarily be always focused on your future because every day is a blessing, man. Just use it to your advantage. Attack every single day. Trust me and believe me when I say you are much closer to your dreams and goals than you will ever give yourself credit for. So just keep pushing because you never know. Your breakthrough can happen on any given day, at any given moment, at any given second. So just keep pushing, keep mastering your craft. And I promise you, you're going to be everything that you ever set out for yourself in this world. Just give it time. That's all it is, man. But as always, hopefully all you guys are doing straight out there. We are still dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, man. So please wash your hands as much as possible to keep the virus from getting on your hands and especially your face. Anytime you're out in a public area surrounded by a large group, crowd, or gathering, please wear your mask. And then when you're by yourself, take it off. But when you're around a large group, crowd, or gathering, please just wear your mask. And of course, lastly, but certainly not least, and probably the most important part that I'm going to continue to say Anytime you have any type of sunlight or sunshine, wherever you are at on the globe, please go outside and get some ultraviolet rays, aka sunlight on your skin, because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is not excluded from that list. And of course, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. We are still demanding justice for Jacob Blake. And we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings. It needs to stop. Point blank period, man. But I hope all you guys are doing good out there. Hopefully all you guys are in the right state of mind. And let's get right into today's topic at hand. So March Madness is absolutely in full effect. And if you are a college basketball fan, or even if you don't even like college basketball like that, but you still tune into March Madness, this weekend was a legendary weekend to be a college hoops fan. It was so many different things that took place from all the conference tournaments to going into Selection Sunday. It was just intriguing in all facets of it. And especially because we didn't have a tournament last year because COVID pretty much canceled the 2020 NCAA tournament. So it's pretty much been two years in the making leading up to this moment of yesterday on Selection Sunday. But just recapping this weekend real briefly, the first thing I want to talk about is Patrick Ewing in the Georgetown Hoyas winning the Big East tournament. Pat Ewing is now the only person to be a player and a coach and win the Big East Conference Tournament Championship. And he is legendary for that because I don't think anybody outside of Georgetown fans themselves thought Georgetown had a chance at winning the Big East Tournament. And the Big East, to be fair, has had a very up and down year. You know, Villanova is usually the cream of the crop. Jay Wright always has a good team, even though some of their best players got hurt. We're still praying for a speedy recovery for Colin Gillespie um, and Justin Moore as well. So their best players got banged up. You know, UConn is back in the conference now. James Booknight and Danny Hurley are a very special combination. They kind of got bounced out early. And so really, Georgetown just took what they had and used it and they did it and they ran all the way through the finish line with it and I got to give them a lot of credit man what they did was special like they had a special special run and the way that they spanked Creighton in the championship game they pretty much beat him by like 20 to 30 points 
was special. And I'm glad that the Hoyas are now back in the NCAA tournament because a lot of people have been throwing a lot of dirt on Pat Ewan's name ever since he became the coach at Georgetown for no reason. And he's dealt with a lot just in the past year and a half or so with your best players transferring from last year. James Akinjo is now at Arizona and Mac McClung, of course, is now at Texas Tech. Then you have Coach Thompson pass away in August of last year. And now you're at this moment where your team is in the NCAA tournament. And I think they have like 12 or 13 losses on their record. So that's still a good thing, man. I'm happy because that's how you get to become a better coach. I think this team is going to use that as fuel. Now they know what they got to do for the future if they want to get back to the NCAA tournament. But I, I love this because, again, it's a lot of people that have been counting out Pat Ewing, but give him time. And I truly think that even if Georgetown doesn't necessarily get back to being as successful as they were back when Pat Ewing was there as a player with, with, with Hoya Paranoia and all that different stuff, um, I could, I could still see them being somewhat successful. I, I really and truly believe that. Not necessarily a powerhouse in college basketball, but just a consistently successful program. Give Pat Ewing time, and I promise you he's going to get Georgetown back to his successful traditions. But moving on, though, the ACC Conference Tournament Championship game took place between Florida State and Georgia Tech. And honestly, just being honest, Florida State should have won this game. Like, I, I don't want to hate on Georgia Tech. I'm going to give them their props and credit in a second. But Florida State has clearly been the best team in the ACC. But Leonard Hamilton, as great as he is, I definitely think he's a Hall of Famer. He's produced an NBA hub. He has a whole bunch of players in the NBA right now, from Jonathan Isaac to Dwayne Bacon to Malik Beasley to Patrick Williams. The list goes on. You know, Scotty Barnes is going to continue the tradition next season. But nonetheless, though, Coach Hamilton has a problem where his teams always play down to the level of competition, and they barely play to their standards sometimes. For the most part throughout seasons, they always are a top-tier team in the nation. But when it comes to these big-time games, for some reason, they always step back and play down to their standards. And that's a problem that needs to be addressed because right now, I think they're on like a two-game losing streak. They lost a couple weeks ago to Notre Dame in South Bend, and then they lose to Georgia Tech. And giving credit to Georgia Tech because Jose Alvarado and Moses Wright, the ACC Player of the Year, had big-time games. But especially Jose Alvarado, he was disrupting every Every single thing that they did for Florida State on offense. Like he was up in them creating steals, wreaking havoc, shooting the passing lanes. They could not do anything to keep the ball from getting in his hands. And he made them pay every single time. So credit to the Georgia Tech um, Yellow Jackets. They did what they had to do. They are in the NCAA tournament. Another guy, Josh Pastner, who's dealing with a lot from NCAA sanctions and violations. And now look at him. He's in the NCAA tournament. So congrats to them. Now going to the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Houston won the conference tournament championship game pretty easily against Cincinnati, but they had a big-time game that went all the way down to the wire on Saturday where they faced off against Memphis and the Tigers led by Penny Hardaway. That was a sensational game. If you get a chance, go back and watch the replay or the highlights of that game because that was a fun game. And actually, just a week prior, they played those same two teams squared off in Houston, and it went all the way down to the wire again. And Tremont Mark, the freshman from Houston, hit a half-court heave on senior day to win that game for the Cougars. So the Cougars are another team to look out for in the NCAA tournament. Then you had Illinois led by Brad Underwood and Ayo DeSumo and Andre Curbelo and Trent Frazier and Kofi Coburn win the Big Ten tournament in a really good uh, conference championship game that took place between Ohio State and them yesterday where they went to overtime. Dwayne Washington had 30-plus points. He had a valiant effort, but it just came up a little bit short as Illinois was able to hit some key buckets and get some key stops. And Illinois, 
They're probably one of the hottest teams heading into the tournament right now other than Gonzaga. Watch out for the Fighting Illini. This is going to be a special year for them in the NCAA tournament. And then probably one of the more surprising news and games of this past weekend was Rick Pitino coming back and coaching in the college basketball ranks after being in Greece for a year. Coaching at Iona, the Gales of Iona have had a very successful program, won their conference tournament championship. They were in the MAC, which is the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. They won it pretty handily. They were actually the 9 seed going into the tournament. And Rick Pitino, man, just showed why he is a Hall of, Fa- Hall of Famer, why he's one of the greatest coaches regardless of uh, level, from NBA to college basketball to high school to JUCO to D3, D2, whatever level. Rick Pitino is a legend, and it's only a matter of time before he gets back to being a major conference coach. But, man, the coaching job that he did this weekend, this past weekend, was absolutely special. Give him his credit. His team played hard. They fought hard. And now he's back in the NCAA tournament where he will coach again. So credit to Rick Pitino, man. Definitely a legend. Um, And that's that. And lastly, before I get into the bracket just a little bit, Oregon State. Oregon freaking State won the Pac-12 Conference Tournament Championship against the Colorado Buffaloes and Tad Boyle and McKinley Wright. And to see Oregon State pull it off was honestly a shocker because I'm going to be honest. Being from Southern California, I am always down on the Pac-12 outside of Oregon. Oregon and Dana Altman, they're the anomaly in in the Pac-12. Aside from that, Everybody else is really just average. And it's not even that the players are average. It's literally that the coaches are average. Now, to be fair, we're going to talk about UCLA in a second. But I'm going to give Mick Cronin some time to see if he's really built to be at UCLA or not. Because that is a tough job. But I'm going to still give him some time. When it comes to Andy Enfield, though, at USC, he's had so much talent. But he never does anything with it outside of the Pac-12. And that's a problem. Arizona, Sean Miller, who's facing NCAA violations and sanctions as well not really doing anything at Arizona. Arizona, they they win a lot in the Pac-12, but when it comes to nationally playing against top teams in the country, they don't do anything, only in the Pac-12. And so to see Oregon State come out of nowhere, because Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament, they were in a game versus UCLA, where UCLA was winning for a majority of that game, and then Oregon State made a late push to force the game to overtime, and ultimately Oregon State just pulled it out off some big-time clutch shots from Jared Lucas. And they were able to win that game. And so credit to Wayne Tinkle. He definitely probably pulled his chair, his butt off the hot seat because a lot of people thought it's uh, you know it's almost time for him to get fired and for them to find a new coach. But now, Oregon State is back in the NCAA tournament. I can't even remember the last time they made it to the NCAA tournament. But I do know the last time they won the Pac-12 tournament was when they had Gary Payton, the glove himself. And we all know he's a legend at Oregon State, but man... It's just crazy, man. Like, I just feel like the Pac-12 always has, like, solid teams, but they never have elite teams. Again, only outside of Oregon. You know, Dana Allman does a really good job with his program. They were in the Final Four in 2016 with Tyler Dorsey and those guys. But outside of that, nobody does anything in the Pac-12. So that concerns me. But getting into the bracket, the one seeds. All the games will be played in Indianapolis. If you guys didn't know, um, the venues are going to be Mackey Arena, which is Purdue, you're going to have Assembly Hall, which is Indiana, Bloomington. You're going to have Banker's Life Fieldhouse, which is where the Pacers play. Lucas Oil Stadium, which is where the Colts play. You're going to have Hinkle Fieldhouse, where the Butler Bulldogs play. And lastly, you're going to have Farmers Coliseum, which is the host of Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis, also known as IUPUI, for those that really know about them. But getting into the one seed, so in the West, 
You're going to have Gonzaga take on the winner of Norfolk State and Appalachian State in a first four game. You're going to have in the East, you're going to have Michigan take on the winner of another playing game between Mount St. Mary's and Texas Southern. In the South, you're going to have one seed of Baylor take on Hartford. And then in the Midwest, you're going to have Illinois, the one seed, take on Drexel. And I know a lot of people were kind of shocked that Illinois earned the one spot as a one seed. But they deserved it. Like, we all know Gonzaga was the number one overall seed. You know, Michigan was up there. And, of course, Baylor. And that four seed was always kind of like between the Big Ten schools, between Ohio State and Illinois. But recently, Illinois, again, is the most hot team outside of Gonzaga heading into the tournament. They're probably the hottest team. You can make a case that they're the hottest team in the country. And when you have a player like Ayo DeSumo, who, to me, I think should be the Wooden Award winner. And then you got guys like Trent Frazier, Andre Curbelo, Kofi Coburn. And you got other players around them that play really good defense. This team is a problem. They are going to make a deep run. And honestly, I would not be shocked at all if they were to go to the Final Four and win it all. Like, that's how good they are. They have all the talent. There's no real weakness. Brad Underwood has done a really good job alongside his coaching staff of coaching this team up and putting them in the right uh, positions to succeed. And they're going to make noise. Believe me when I say that, this team is dangerous. Trust me, they definitely deserved that one seed. So getting into the first four games, which is going to take place this Thursday, the start of the NCAA tournament, the first four games, again, you're going to have 16 seed Norfolk State against 16 seed Appalachian State. The winner again will take on Gonzaga. That's going to be a tough game. You're going to have 11 seed Wichita State take on 11 seed Drake. And these two teams were actually very interesting because it's a lot of people out there that did not have either one of these teams actually making the tournament. Wichita State has had a pretty good year. First-year head coach Isaac Brown has done a really good job after the tumultuous departure of uh, Greg Marshall. So Isaac Brown is now the official head coach. He's done a really good job. I'm a big fan of Altariq Gilbert, who transferred in from UConn a season ago. He's a big-time point guard, and UConn fans gave him hell because he had a a very up-and-down career there. But nonetheless, he's had a lot of success at Wichita State, and so I'm glad to see a player like that get into the tournament. And then Drake, we all know Drake was undefeated for a good majority of this season. I believe they ended up losing to, I can't even remember who they lost to. I think it was Loyola Chicago in the conference tournament championship game. Um, and they lost, but they were still able to get into the tournament. I'm glad the committee did right by them. They are another good team. And that game between these two teams, Wichita State and Drake, is going to be a special game. So definitely be tuned into that. And then you're going to have 16-seeded Mount St. Mary's versus 16-seeded Texas Southern. Again, the winner of that game will take on Michigan, the one seed in the Eastern region. And then the last game, which is probably going to be the most entertaining and view game of all the first four games this Thursday is my Michigan State Spartans, the 11 seeded Spartans versus the 11 seeded Bruins of UCLA. Now, getting into this game real quickly because I do want to talk about this game. And before I actually talk about it, I know with some people out there that thought Michigan State wasn't going to get in. They had a really up and down year, more of a bad year than anything. It was a down year for Tom Izzo and his program. And yeah, I get it. I understand it. We definitely had a very rough year. But at the same time, not only did we beat Michigan recently, who's a one seed, but we also beat both the teams that competed in the Big Ten Tournament Conference Championship game, which is Illinois and Ohio State. We beat them too just in the past two weeks. So we do have some quality wins on our resume. And I think ultimately that that beat out some of the other bubble teams because some of the other bubble teams don't compete in a conference like the Big Ten. And either way, 
some of those bubble teams aren't beating the teams that we beat. They're not beating Ohio State, Illinois, or Michigan, and we did. And so we're trending in the right direction. I know we lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to Maryland, but I still have a lot of faith in my team. So when it comes to UCLA, though, UCLA is an interesting team because they have, like, veteran and players that have been through the fire, but I feel like they're still trying to figure out Mick Cronin, because Mick Cronin is an interesting coach. He's a demanding coach. He's going to scream and yell all 40 minutes of the game. He's going to get into you. He's going to coach you hard, and he is a good coach. I don't want to get that twisted. Just UCLA is a tough job because they're always going to compare you unfairly and kind of fairly to John Wooden, so it's just a tough job. It's pretty much high expectations for the most part, but nonetheless, though, they do have some talented players. They got Tiger Campbell. They got Jules Bernard. You got Jake Kyman. You got Jaime Jaquez. You got David Singleton, uh, Cody Riley, I believe. Um, so they have some talented players. My only thing with them, though, is they don't play to that talent. And another thing, too, is they get leads, but they always blow the lead. If you're a UCLA fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about because, again, in the Pac-12 tournament game against Oregon State I think it was the quarterfinals it might have been the semifinals forgive me for not remembering but they had the lead and they were up for majority of that game they literally just let it slip away because they had some bad late game execution and Oregon State was able to capitalize off that and again force the game into overtime and UCLA had zero answers for Oregon State in this game and so I'm not worried about this game at all and look I know Anybody can beat anybody in March Madness that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament is that nobody is really um a heavy favorite. I know Gonzaga is special. I know Illinois is special. But let's be honest, they could still lose at any given moment. That's just how the NCAA tournament is. We've seen some crazy upsets, upsets, excuse me, like going back a couple years ago when UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, as a 16th seed, beat number one overall seed or number one seed, Virginia. So it happens. Anything could happen. But I just have faith in my Spartans. Like, I think Rocket Watts is going to turn it on. Aaron Henry has been playing like a first-team all-Big Ten caliber player. We still got Joshua Langford. We're going to need some big-time production out of Gabe Brown. We're going to need Julius Marble and Marcus Bingham to be able to guard better in the post. And most importantly, we just have to stop fouling. Defensively, we foul so much for no apparent reason, and it honestly blows my mind because we all know a staple of Tom Izzo's program is the ability to get in the stance and stop the other team from scoring and taking pride in playing defense. And this team just hasn't really had that same flair to them, even though they've been better in the past couple weeks. But when it comes to fouling, we just have a bad time of fouling. Like, we foul so much. It feels like every single game, we're getting into foul trouble. So if UCLA is able to put pressure on us, then they could definitely turn it into a game. But I think the difference for us, though, is that talent-wise, we're a much better team than UCLA is. Like, that's just the end of discussion. Rocket Watts is better than Tiger Campbell. Aaron Henry is better than every player on UCLA. And I think that's going to be the ultimate separator for us. And as long as we're able to exploit that, I think Malik Hall has been playing really well the past few games. We just got to bid on that. We got to get out in transition and score on easy opportunities. And the reason that I love this is because playing in a first four game it gives you an advantage to play early. And it gives you an advantage because every single team going into the tournament is going to be nervous. That first game is always going to be the most nerve-wracking game because all eyes are, are on you. It's your first time playing in that arena, in that environment, even if there is you know, not that many fans. I think fans will be in attendance, but not a lot, obviously. But nonetheless, though, that first game is always the toughest. So if we're able to come out, go on a run, we're going to beat UCLA easily. But I do think it might come down to the wire. But even then, I just feel like Michigan State is the better team. UCLA has a problem with closing out games. 
Michigan State should definitely win this game and then ultimately move on and play against BYU. So that's going to be an interesting game. I cannot wait for Thursday. I believe we play at 6.57 p.m. on, on Pacific Coast time so that's gonna or Pacific Standard time. So that's going to be a fun game. I'm glad the committee did it like that. They definitely did it intentional. And it's going to be about because Mick Cronin, He's not no punk. He's not no pushover. He's not just going to let his teams get ran. His teams are always going to be prepared. They just got to go out and execute. And that's been the problem with them is that they don't ever execute their game plan. And that's why I think my Spartans are going to ultimately end up getting the win. But I'm really not nervous because the last two times we've seen them was a couple years ago. I believe it was Steve Alfred's last year as the head coach at UCLA. We beat him at the Las Vegas Invitational. Um, Tiger Campbell, I think, was a freshman that year. And then the next time we played him was actually last year. We played him at the Maui Invitational. And that game kind of went down to the wire. But ultimately, we had a Cassius Winston and we had Rocket Watts. And we were able to beat them at the end of the game. We were able to just execute better than them in crunch time. And we ultimately won. So I'm not too concerned. I'm actually very excited for Thursday. Thursday cannot come fast enough. And honestly, like, like going into the selection Sunday, I was nervous. Like I'm gonna be honest, because I thought it was a slight chance that we were not gonna make the tournament. But thank God we did, man, because it was getting scary. Because they were ta- they were announcing every single team. It came down to the last region, which was the East region. And when I finally seen Michigan State, I was so relieved because it just felt like we were about to miss the tournament. I seen Syracuse get chosen before us. I seen uh, Wichita State and Drake get chosen before us. And just, it, I was so paranoid because I'm a, let's be honest, I'm a Michigan State fan and I've been spoiled because every single year of my lifetime, Michigan State is always comfortably in the tournament. Like even if we don't win the Big Ten uh, tournament championship, we're always gonna make the NCAA tournament. I think we're on like a 23-year consecutive streak of making the tournament now. And this year, man, it was just gut-wrenching. A lot of people didn't think we would make it, but we did. You know, Duke and Kentucky didn't make it, and a lot of people feel some type of way about that. But they weren't playing good. And I know Duke had a rough end of their year with coronavirus striking their team, and Kentucky just really wasn't good and wasn't really well put together. But Michigan State got in. I kind of feel bad for Louisville because. Louisville Louisville kind of had a more deserving resume than Syracuse. And especially with a player like Carly Jones, who transferred in from Radford as a grad transfer, you want to see a player like that. But it kind of sucks. You know, Louisville is going to end up being a good team down the line. Chris Mack is a really good head coach, but it just is what it is, man. But yes, when it comes to Michigan State and UCLA, I am confident, supremely confident that my Spartans are going to get the job done on Thursday. But I want to give you guys my Cinderella pick before I get you guys out of here. And my Cinderella pick this year is none other than the Aztecs of San Diego State down in the 619. I'm going to give it to the Aztecs led by head coach Brian Dutcher because I fully believe, if you guys remember last year, San Diego State was undefeated for a good majority of the season going into their conference tournament. They were undefeated all the way until the Mountain West Conference Tournament Championship game. They ultimately ended up losing to Utah State led by Craig Smith, and they lost that game. And then literally the next day, coronavirus hit the earth and shut down everything. The tournament was canceled, you know, public spaces were all closed, and the world just shut down just like that. And so I feel like San Diego State's going to come back. They're going to be hungrier. They're going to have a, that chip on their shoulder. And they pretty much return outside of Malachi Flynn. 
They bring back almost every single player from last year's team. You got Matt Mitchell, who was named player of the year in the conference. You got Jordan Shackle, who's definitely evolved every single year he's been at San Diego State. You bring in an elite graduate transfer out of Cal State Northridge and Terrell Goldman. Shout out to Inglewood. You still got Trey Pulliam, who was a six-man last year who backed up Malachi Flynn. He's now the starting point guard, and he's looked really comfortable in his new position. So you have a really good team. You bring off off the bench uh, Adam Seiko, and you bring off Lamont Butler Jr. This team is good. And they play great defense. Nate Mensa is still the anchor of their defense. This team can make a run. Be on the lookout for San Diego State. They have some players, man. That is my Cinderella pick. I expect them to make a lot of noise. But some players that I want you guys to look out for. Just a few players. Bones Highland. Nashawn Bones Highland. He's from VCU. He's the Atlantic 10 Player of the Year in the conference special. You got Jason Preston out of Ohio. Really good player. Not Ohio State, just Ohio. I believe they're the Bobcats. They're green. Watch out for Jason Preston. He's going to be playing the NBA very soon. You got James Booknight out of UConn, Connecticut. The Huskies playing for Danny Hurley. Another really good player. You got McKinley Wright, one of the greatest players in Pac-12 history. And that's saying something because we all know how many great players have come out of the Pac-12. You got him. You got Cam Thomas, LSU, one of the best players, one of the best scorers. I'm going to be honest. Cam Thomas is one of the best scorers ever in college basketball history as a freshman. He's that good. Like, honestly, I've never seen a guy like him, and he's a bucket getter. He's going to be playing the NBA very soon. You got Ayo Desumu, again, 6'5", 6'4", guard, can just do everything for Illinois. You got Kyle Lofton, the Bonnies, the St. Bonaventure Really good team right there. St. Bonaventure is another really underrated team. They won the Atlantic 10. They beat VCU in the conference tournament championship game. Watch out for them as well in your brackets. They're going to be a team to look out for. You got Moses Moody, another freshman in the SEC who actually won freshman of the year in the SEC for Arkansas, and he was named first team All-SEC under Eric Musselman. Another player to watch out for is him. And lastly, too, UC Santa Barbara is another team to keep your eye out for. Ja'Cory McLaughlin is a special, special point guard. Trust me, he is going to make a lot of noise depending on how many games he plays in the NCAA tournament. He is a big-time guard. And the Guachos as a team out of the Big West Conference are a problem. Look out for UC Santa Barbara, man. But as always, man, I'm hoping that nobody catches a positive coronavirus test. I'm hoping that we're able to get through the tournament smoothly. It's been two years in the making. I'm glad to have it back. March is here. The madness is soon to begin. And I'm so excited to see that Michigan State is going to be playing on the first day in the first four game against UCLA, man. But as always, I appreciate you guys, man. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports, man. I actually just dropped an article recently on Nuts and Bolts Sports page on my top three sneakiest teams heading into the NCAA tournament. So go check that out when you get a chance, man. But shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP on both Twitter and Instagram. Please go follow us. Go show us some love. Go retweet our stuff. Go check us out for all your sports news and needs. I promise you Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you guys. And as always, too, I'm also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other really talented content creators and podcast hosts. So please go check us out for all your great sports podcasts out there. I promise you Nuts and Bolts Sports has it all for you, man. But as always, I appreciate you guys if you made this far, man. This has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That's how we share, grow, and expand the podcast. You guys have a beautiful and lovely rest of your day and rest of your week, and I'll talk to you guys soon. As always, peace and love gone.